0: Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now.
3: Hey, good afternoon. Welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. So grateful that you've chosen to join us, and the Lord is doing great things, especially with Calvary Live. We want to welcome everyone to the brand new network that just added Calvary Live, all you guys listening on Freedom Radio, welcome to our, our show. Uh, this is new, of course, in this time slot. You've had a show in this time slot for many years now, and it's brand new uh, to hear us here. Calvary Live is a radio program that originates here at from the studios of Grace FM in Aurora, Colorado. And so you have joined a few other radio networks uh, that carry Calvary Live, and we just want to welcome you, welcome you, and let you know the numbers. Uh, The number to dial to be on the air with us is 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000, and we want to welcome you. My chair just fell. (laughs) Okay, here we go. I want to welcome you. Uh, The way the show works is you call and we answer, and we talk about it on the air. Uh, It's a little different than the show that was previous on during this time slot because this is a pastoral show, and so what we mean by that is we want to pray with you. We want to encourage you. Uh, Occasionally there will be Bible questions, of course, and you'll get a a pastor's answer. We have different pastors that host the show, uh, so you get a different... um, pastoral reflection, depending on who the host is. My name is Ed Taylor. I'm the pastor here at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. Uh, We are the church that oversees Grace FM. But of course, we also have Hope FM and Truth FM that are are also joining us. And here, for right now, um, you need to know that you're hearing this program one week delayed. What that means is, is you're listening to it on your radio and it's it's there, but you can call us during the, while the show is on, and you will talk to us live, we will answer it live, and then you can tune in the following week and hear yourself on the radio. So as you're listening, uh, there is a live broadcast. This is a live show, and we're working on technology. It would be great to deliver it live to all of our affiliates, and we'll be working on that in the future. But until then, you're hearing it delayed. And all that means is uh, that you can, uh, you can call in and talk to us live and get to listen to yourself the following week. It's kind of cool. Uh, so let me just let you guys know, too, new states that are added on our network. Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Georgia. Iowa, Idaho, Kansas, Kentucky, Louisiana, Michigan, Missouri, Mississippi, Montana, New Mexico, Nevada. Uh, we're already on another part of Pennsylvania. Uh, South Carolina, Tennessee, uh, Washington, you guys, Amarillo, Texas, Wisconsin, and Wyoming. And then, of course, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Maryland, and Truth FM. So, welcome, welcome, welcome. We just we're going to be introducing uh, here, you know, over time just reminding you where you can call us 303-690-3000 or you can uh, text us. We have a dedicated text line 720-336-0897. 720 336 897 Nine, seven. That's a dedicated text line. It works anywhere in the country. So just put them into your phone. You could put Calvary Live text and Calvary Live live or however you want to put it in. But you can call or text. The phone lines are filling up now. Um, and the best time to get on the show is these early, hour, these early minutes because the show does fill up over time. We're going to go to Fort Collins, Colorado with Lorraine. Welcome to the program.
4: Hey, Pastor, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm well, thank you. Okay, so I have a deep end of the pool question, and I know that you'll know the answer. Okay. All right, so in the, in the end times, um, the tribulation comes seven years. People that knew Christ prior are raptured. We believe that pre-tribulation belief. I believe that. And so we're in heaven for the duration of, that the tribulation is breaking out here on earth after and people come to know the lord which is the point of the tribulation to bring israel to a saving knowledge of who the messiah is correct correct and to bring people uh that don't know him to know him and so after the seven-year period of time that's when christ comes back in his glory with his saints which We've already been at the bema seat of Christ. We've had our judgment. We've had the marriage supper of the Lamb, all of that. We come back with Him and so reign with Him for the millennial reign, at which point—now, we're in our heavenly bodies. Correct. So the tribulation believers, they enter the millennial reign in their natural bodies, Correct. and thus we cohabitate. Correct. All right. So all of that my question is what does it look like? I asked another pastor once um, about it, but I really want to hear what you have to say. So what does it look like, like specifically? Okay, so we're here. I get that it's like a, it's it's not a, I've heard it said not a, um, a perfect world, but it's like a renovated period of time on planet Earth. And so say that you knew the Lord prior to the tribulation, you come back, you're in your heavenly body. Just like in the um, upper room when Jesus came back, he was in his heavenly body, his eternal body, and um, the disciples were in their natural bodies, and so they cohabitated. All right, so what does it look like? I didn't come to know the Lord until the tribulation, so I enter that period of time in my natural body. So if, say, I meet you somewhere and we're conversing, and we want to go, like, to Starbucks. Do you, like, meet me there because you can just, you're, you can just go there and I have to drive there? Or, like, specifically day to day, do you in your eternal body, do you have to rent an apartment? You see what I'm saying? Like, what do you do? You're in a different entity. And so what do you do? Do you have to sleep? Do you have an apartment? What do you do with your time? Do you have to have employment? see what I mean? What does it look like?
3: Well, your questions are interesting, you know, Mm -hmm. because I think that uh, that anticipation of what it's going to be like to occupy and rule and reign for a thousand years, what does that look like exactly? The Bible doesn't give the kind of answers you're looking for, so what we have to do is pull back and say... Well, based on what the Bible does give us, what kind of conclusions can we come to? Um, and so the Bible does tell us you know, that the, there, there is a restoration of, of the earth to a pristine condition. You know, there's a perfect environment. Uh, the millennial period is going to be perfect in every way, physically and spiritually. Um, according to Micah, there's going to be peace and joy and comfort— there's going to be an it's it's going to have idyllic conditions like the garden of eden um like i didn't not not exactly but like because it well i mean i guess it could be exactly after the fall because sin will still exist right there'll be a uh, there'll be i believe a forced righteousness until the end where even at the end, when there's a choice to be made, people when the devil is released, people are going to still choose the devil. So there's going to be a forced righteousness, and exactly how that looks, I'm not. In, I'm, not um, I'm, I'm not. I'm. I'm not. Not exactly sure what that's going to look like. Um, you know, because you have believers entering the millennial kingdom, but then believers that with that make it through are going to cohabitate and have children, and they haven't had a chance yet. Um, to, to decide. So you know that there's, there's all sorts of things like obedience and holiness and truth, the knowledge of God will be there, Christ will rule as king, uh, he'll, have those, he'll have those ruling with him. Uh, it'll be an interesting time um, that, that we haven't experienced yet, um, and I think that the closest that we can come to that as we read through is what it would have been like in the Garden of Eden, except with Jesus ruling and reigning and fulfillment of the covenants that were given uh, in the Old Testament, so in light of that, about your how can how can the glorified saints cohabitate with the non glorified saints? Um, what what does that look like? Well, I think that when we're given new bodies, those new bodies are designed to last eternally. Those new bodies aren't necessarily um they're not necessarily making us a different created being, um, but rather now we're taking on the fullness of the restoration of the of the work that Jesus has done on the cross so that we might now animate because you know our bodies, our bodies are only vehicles by which we get to communicate right that we get to uh, relate to others through our bodies and that's the gift that God has given to us so that, That relationship, if if there is any any kind of interaction like that, that's a it's a great question to ask. That one I've never heard before. Like if somebody invited me to Starbucks, or or even if there would be Starbucks, I I think that would be like sinful. Like Starbucks is so bad. But I'm just kidding, just kidding. Um, But if we were to meet at a Starbucks, um, could a glorified body meet with? a non glorified body. So let me ask you that. Let me ask you that particular question. Based on what we know of the scriptures, what's been revealed to us, can a person in a glorified body equally relate to a person that's in a non glorified body?
4: I would say yes. If okay. if both know the Lord, then just like like I said in the upper room, they related. It was a different relation because initially they, you know, they didn't recognize Christ, but then they sat, they had a meal together. So that's sort of our model. But yeah. didn't he, like, go through a door or something? So if that's the case, I mean, what limitations will there be? But, I, yeah, I don't see all of everyone who has already been to heaven and comes back segregated from those believers that have come to know Christ during the tribulation, I see us all together, and what that looks like i don 't know but.
3: yeah I do I see the same thing, and I think your right. your conclusion is is a good conclusion in the sense that we have the example, right the forerunner, uh, mm-hmm. the firstborn of the dead Jesus Christ, was able to relate to people mm-hmm. in physical human bodies while he was in mm-hmm. his glorified body and and there 's definitely a different consistency at least with Jesus there was his ability to appear and not appear. Whether that is a a result of the glorified body or simply a result of his deity combined with glorified body, we're not told. Mm, Um, mm -hmm. uh, But he definitely was in his glorified body when he did it, and that you know again because because this isn't specifically answered, we can only do what we're doing right now. I like to call it biblically speculating. You know, right. I, because like, okay, so we know that, that he was restricted by his human body willingly, according to—I was just reading that this morning—where Jesus, when he took on a human body, there were definitely restrictions in that human body that were not there in his glorified body.
4: Okay, So there is right. change. Right. There's
3: definitely change, and we, de- we, we know that new bodies are, are going to be spiritual— uh, in that sense, where they're they're going to have an ability to be eternal, according to First Corinthians, and so. Uh, but some of the other questions, I mean, that that's what leaves the um, the mystery of God to, for us to anticipate exactly mm-hmm. what that would be. But it's a great question; I've never heard it before.
4: Well, all right. So then, here's a correlating question, actually, too, and I'll um, state them briefly so you can take other callers. But all right, so the Lord reigns in Jerusalem. I want to be where He is. So is his presence ubiquitous? I mean, is he omnipresent at that time, or will I still be in Fort Collins if the Lord is in Jerusalem, or are all believers crowded around the throne where He is? Because I want to be where He is.
3: Yeah, I think there's. I think there can be. A, I think there can be both. I I do believe that the body um, prevents Him from being ubiquitous. Um, at in his physical, in the phys, like Jesus emptied himself to take the form of a man eternally. He is now eternally like us by his choice, not as us, but like us. He is, I, I think there's still a similar Philippians type of 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 restriction that comes with a glorified body so that he will eternally be, a hundred percent God and a hundred percent man. That was not a temporary existence. That's an eternal existence. Mm-hmm. So, but with that in mind, there's definitely uh, a new form, a new existence with a with a glorified body. And I think that goes for us too. I I don't think that we will have limitations. I think that you. I not only will you want to be. So I want to add another thought to you too, as we. Biblically speculate. Not yeah. only will you want to be with Jesus, but you'll also want to do what He tells you to do. So, if He assigns you Fort Collins, oh, you will joyfully wow. go to Fort Collins. Okay. I think that that's so. I I don't know how this. How does it work? Where will all of our desires be um, only what He wants? But what He wants, He assigns us, and He gives us certain. Um, you know, there's a passage in. Um, Oh, I want to say maybe Isaiah, Isaiah 32. Let me just look this rule up real quick here. There's a passage in Isaiah about, Behold, a king will reign in righteousness. Princes will rule with justice. Huh? That doesn't tell us much. But there is going to be a co-laboring ruling with him. Uh, and, you know, there's there's going to be enjoyment all, all around. Um so good question. We can only okay. talk a lot about it.
4: Last last question. The Holy Spirit during that time. Um, I know that at the time of the rapture, the restrainer is taken, thus, thus the Holy Spirit in us. Okay, so the Holy Spirit is removed, is my understanding. Please correct me if I'm wrong. And then the new believers during the tribulation that come to know the Lord, does the Holy Spirit come in them afresh? Because or... God gave the helper um, to the Church age. So once the Church is removed, what do the tribulation believers receive? Is it the Holy Spirit, or do you see what I mean?
3: Yeah, I believe I believe that when you see the ministry of the Holy Spirit with the Church, there's an indwelling, a permanent sealing, and I believe then when that which is taken away is the Holy Spirit's presence in the Church— The Holy Spirit isn't removed. Um, The Holy Spirit is truly ubiquitous uh, in the sense of being omnipresent. Uh, And so what I believe, what the restraining force is the Holy Spirit indwelling the church. It's a fullness. It's not the Holy Spirit's removed and there's something foreign. And perhaps um, because the church continues, the entity of the church continues after the rapture, Even though we may call them tribulation saints, they still become a part of the Church. Uh, and So I don't think the Holy Spirit is removed completely from the planet Earth, but that that specific reference is the Holy Spirit's removal in the removal of the Church, and the preserving force of the size of the Church, the amount of believers on the Earth, the, the Spirit working through the Church, all of that is removed. But the person of the Spirit is not removed.
4: I actually understood that. Thank
3: you. You're welcome. Let me give you a follow-up. Here's one texting. If glorified bodies cohabitate with earthly bodies, can they reproduce? There's, no. So, you're, so now you're, you're sprouting new questions from others, and the answer's no. Um, no. Very much so.
4: big fat no.
3: And, and that, that has everything to do with the glorified body and your new glorified existence. The, the type of, of relations that husbands and wives have don't exist anymore. For those that are in glorified bodies right. so there you go you're stirring up questions with other people
4: <laughs> okay will you please 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 pray for my son Luke before we hang up please. Sure.
3: father we pray for Luke we pray God for your will to be accomplished in his life um, you know that we could talk about all these wonderful things um, thinking about what it's like and you know, thinking about what what you're going to do and how you're going to do it, and what's the millennial bike, but but we're living in real time, Lord, and so we have real needs with our kids, our family, our friends, our churches. We have real needs, even people in the hospital right now. Um, you know, COVID and what it's doing with people. We've got a few in our church that have experienced cancer. We've got a few really tragic losses recently, and so Lord, we recognize that you are. Um, you are faithful and reliable, trustworthy, and we trust our needs to you. And we trust Luke to you in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Thank
4: you, Thank you Pastor. Okay, bye bye. Okay. 303
3: 690 is the number. We have all open lines 303 690 3000. And it's, it's a good thing uh, that, uh, especially for those of you that are new, and newer to Calvary Live, one of the things we don't do is argue. Uh, that's just not going to be a direction that we take, uh, and we just won't do it. We won't do it uh, in the screening section, and we won't do it on the air, because there's enough arguing. This has to be a safe zone where we talk about things. Uh, we may not always agree, um, and that's perfectly okay in the body of Christ on secondary matters, um, but you know we're... This, this is a family show where we want to encourage, we want to edify, we want to strengthen, and we welcome all the new stations on Freedom Radio. We're grateful that you've joined us. We know that you are uh, going to love this show. Uh, you're I know it's in the first couple days, but we're already already getting feedback from Alabama and Florida. So thank you. Uh, get Jot this number down. This is a brand new number, 303-690-3000. Of course, a brand new number for you guys, but everyone on Hope FM, Truth FM, Grace FM, same number, 303-690-3000. And then the text line, if you're in a safe place and you'd like to text us, 720 336 Zero eight nine seven and we've got listeners from all around the country. We've got listeners from the Netherlands, Ukraine, Philippines. Uh, welcome. We're glad that you joined us. 303-69030. 30369030. Let's go to Doug here in Aurora, Colorado. Doug, welcome to the program.
2: Hey, Pastor Ed, how are you? Good how are you? Good, good. Yeah, I was um well reading uh God's Promises, RC okay. Sproul. All right. And he speaks of a uh, covenant of works and a covenant of grace and he separates them in an interesting way I thought. Um covenant of works was before the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden of eden he had mentioned that all we had to do adamic being human all we had to do was obey the one rule of not eat of the tree and we couldn't do that so he switched at that point to the beginning of the covenant of grace and uh it seemed interesting but i thought i would ask the question. Of if there was if you had any clarifying words or or uh, comments,
3: (laughs) well, you know, R.C. Sproul is coming from a perspective of reform theology. So, from the from the package of reform theology, um, they they hold to something known as covenant theology. You know, and the idea that um, now uh, covenant theology just kind of looks at all of scriptures in only one of two ways. Uh, the covenant of works or the covenant of grace, um, that, that can get into a very dangerous area um, because within covenant theology, you can also come to a place of replacement theology where now the Church somehow replaces all of the promises given to Israel. Um, we teach Scripture here at Calvary from a perspective not of covenant theology but of dispensationalism. And there's even different perspectives of dispensationalism, but that God deals with man in different ways. But God doesn't change. It's always been a. I guess if you use this language, it's always been a covenant of grace. Um, God giving Adam and Eve the um, the Garden of Eden um, is an act of His grace to begin with, and so we. I wouldn't. I wouldn't separate. Um, I. I don't adhere to the covenant theology. I just. Put it that way
2: and i it was it's interesting i th- i thought how how he laid it out but um wasn't quite i didn't quite understand but i um yes
3: <laughs> yeah i mean it's <laughs> I it is it is it is the introduction to reformed theology uh or oh. uh, and sometimes you might hear reformed theology referred to as calvinism but it's it. It also kind of comes to us. Um, the Roman Catholic Church holds to a similar view of these two covenants, uh, and you know I think that certainly God has made agreements with man. Um, we just look at it from the perspective of of dispensationally how God has dealt with out of His love and grace in each time period. Dispensation is a time period of how. God has related to, uh, and then you know, there's a lot of disagreement on what the dispensations are. You sometimes hyper dispensationalism, like when you go overboard with even with dispensationalism, you get to a place where you box God in that He can't operate any other way because it's not the right dispensation. Which you know, I wouldn't agree with either. Yeah, so, that, that
2: doesn't that doesn't sound. That's that's like putting limits on God when correct. He's the one in control of everything
3: yes so
2: um he he did mention and if i have time i'd like to bring this one up um that the the, the test if you if you call it in the garden of eden um before the fall and then they, they they failed the test at the tree um and then he brought up um christ being led into the wilderness being tempted by Satan. Now, he did say that, it tells, it tell. I think it's Mark, the reference, maybe it's Luke, where a- after, after he, he's baptized, he's led into the de- wilderness by the Spirit, and then Satan tempts him for the 40 days and 40 nights. And that was like the test of Adam and Eve, only Christ passed the test, whereas Adam and Eve didn't. And, uh, I, I don't know what to think about that one.
3: Well, I mean, you can compare anything in the scriptures looking backwards, but if he, uh, I would not agree. I haven't read R.C. Sproul in so many years, um, so I'm, I'm I would have to really sit down. You know, Reformed theology and Calvinistic thinking makes it so complicated. You actually have to sit down and try to figure out what they mean. Like, what is it exactly that you're saying? Like, if he's saying that a new covenant of grace was ushered in, or that somehow Jesus through withstanding temptation did something salvific. He didn't. It wasn't sal and I don't think I don't think he's saying that. So I don't remember the thinking around that um particular assertion. Um, but you know, Jesus withstanding a temptation is a good thing. Uh he gives us the strength to withstand temptation ourselves. I don't know how much more that would mean as it compares to the Garden of Eden, other than uh, Adam Adam is the first, you know, and according to Romans, you know, Adam, because of one man's sin, sin entered, sin entered the world so that now by one man, grace can enter and forgiveness can come. I mean, there is that comparison in Romans, but got to go. Thanks for calling. We'll be right back.
0: Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now.
3: Hey, welcome back everyone to today's edition of Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor. I'm the pastor here at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado, part of the Calvary Chapel family of churches. We're glad that you've joined us Uh, Give me a call, 303-690-3000. Everybody on Freedom Radio, welcome. So many stations were added like in a day, boom, just like that, uh, to our network of stations that carry Calvary live. Uh, Welcome everyone listening on Freedom Radio, on Hope FM, on Truth FM. And of course, here in Colorado, where Calvary Live originates, Calvary Live is a a part of Grace FM, which is a ministry outreach of Calvary Church here in Aurora, Colorado. And we are very grateful that you've joined us, Uh, and we want you to call 303-690-3000 is the number. Here's a great text question. By the way, we have a dedicated text line, 720 336 897 303690. 303-690. Or excuse me. That's to get on the air. Three zero three six nine zero three thousand. Text me. 720-336-0897. Sorry if I confuse those numbers, but one's for the live on the air and the other one is reserved for texting. Hello. Here's a text question. I'd like to request a religious exemption to the COVID-19 vaccination at work. Are there any direct resources you can assist with that I can include with my explanation? A uh, great question. Uh, I, I've been asked this um, by quite a few people and you know the answer is no. Um, there, well, it's not a yes or no question, but let's let's break it down here. There's really nothing in the scriptures, that say whether you or I should take a vaccine, so that it's not like we can um, we can appeal to one particular passage of scripture. Um, however, I was thinking uh, because it is a personal decision of conscience. It is a personal like any other medical um, decision you would make um, if you choose to take. Uh, aspirin uh, for a headache, or Tylenol, or you choose to have massive surgery, or you choose to take chemotherapy, or not. It is a personal decision you make with your medical professional and your own personal, personal conscience. And when it comes to your relationship with Jesus, I'm reminded of this verse, but he who doubts is condemned if he eats, because he does not eat from faith for whatever is, whatever is not from faith is sin. And I think that you can, you can look your employer in the eye or you could look at the government in the eye and say, I'm unable to receive this vaccine because I can't do it by faith in Christ. Um, but I would just say, as you're making this decision, you've got to be consistent. And I would encourage you to prayerfully be consistent so that you can have a clean conscience before God. Um, But I think that and that passage is Romans 14. I would read through the whole chapter because you get it contextually. Um, But whatever is not from faith is sin. And whatever your personal convictions are about the vaccine itself, you would be able to say, I cannot do it by faith. And because I can't do it by faith, it's a sin. And I'm, I can't sin against God. And I do think that, that you can make, that that can be a principle to hang on to. But the Bible is really silent. I mean, the the idea of your autonomy as a human being, I mean, that the Bible speaks of that, that you were created in the image of God, that you've been given the ability um, to make free will choices by your creator, um, that you live by faith in God, that that those things that undermine your conscience, um, you know, you, I, I, I think you, you look at it as a conscientious objector. You use the same principles um, that you would as a conscientious objector. And I've been seeing a couple of these forms come through the Church, and that's what we've been—because um, as a Church, we don't take an official position on it one way or the other, um, because it's not a biblical issue. Um, I know some churches have made it a biblical issue, but it's not Um, we teach the Bible here and we point you to the Lord that you would abide in Christ. And if the Spirit of God says don't do it, then don't do it. And if the Spirit of God says do it, then do it. Um, And this is coming up more and more now as they continue to um, make these new decisions. It's uh, super challenging days in which we live. It truly requires us to um, yield to the Spirit of God. Challenging stuff. 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. Felicia, Parker, Colorado. Welcome to the program.
1: Hi, Pastor. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> A little out of breath. Sorry. <laughs> That's all right. Um, okay. So my uh, questions had to do with Mark 16, 18, 19, and Matthew... who I don't remember what it is in Matthew, um, but the Great Commission. Uh-huh. Um... And I listened to an old sermon of yours that kind of explained already um, that, like, the second part of the Great Commission, Mark, um, it can be misconstrued. Okay. Um, I I actually called a couple weeks ago about prophecy Uh and how that can easily be misconstrued. So I guess I kind of have the understanding there of what you're trying to say is, like, don't test God. (laughs) Um, You know, if it happens when you're walking in faith and something like that happens, then it is of God. But we're not to, like, go out of our way to try to prove things, so to speak.
3: And what was the the topic, though, like, what when you're explaining what Um, do you mean?
1: About the casting out devils, the laying of hands on people, and there'd be, like, laying hands on people that are sick and there'd be healing and... Um, I believe there is one more part of it in there. It comes after, like, uh, going out into the world and being disciples.
3: Yes. And and you asked a question about that? Like, I, I just want to make clear for everyone that's just tuning in for the first time, so if we're going to go back and say, uh, go into all the world, preach—this is Mark 16—preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized is saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. These signs will follow those who believe. In my name they'll cast out demons, speak with new tongues, take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, it'll be not, by no means hurt them. They'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Uh, and, and so the, we see all this unfold in the book of Acts, right? Every, one, right, every right. single one of these, including uh, the taking up of a snake, uh, but it wasn't um, purposeful, like it didn't become a right. ministry like we see today. So right. you're right. In light of that, the and, and I think the key phrase here is these signs will follow because what's happened in our culture, at least you know since in recent times, the hyper Pentecostal movement, even churches back east in the Bible Belt that are snake charming churches, um, they've done it. They've they've taken this verse and flipped it around and said, no, we're going to do this to prove that we're that we're believers. Um, and if you don't do this, if you don't, you know, you don't play with snakes, then you're not a real believer. You don't have real faith. And uh, you know, you can see this all kind of flipped around. But but these things follow. Like God is God is sovereign over these things. Even even as we do go forward, um, you know, God giving the gift of tongues, we know that not everybody's given that. Um, God um, maybe a poison comes. You know, and we 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 take somehow poison uh, is introduced to our system, and we survive. Um, It's all a reflection of the sovereignty of God. So you're right. We don't tempt—Jesus said it long before he said this. He said, do not tempt the Lord your God. And and so what we're experiencing today uh, in many of these things is not what he said in Mark 16. I mean, this is such a radical statement that some of the versions of— some of the manuscripts and even Bibles today have the whole end of Mark sixteen foot um, asterisk because it's just so wild and out there. But it is in many manuscripts, so it's included in New King James. But like it, it's this stuff is real. This this can happen. But a lot of things can happen. We just don't go out tempting God like He's gonna answer to us. So yes, all of that. Right. You're right so far. Okay.
1: Okay. So I I guess just uh I think, just to get this out of my mouth, like, basically, when you're walking in faith, like, those signs follow. You don't have to lead out and, like, develop a specific ministry to try, yeah, to try and, like, make the signs come Correct. speak. Correct. Yeah. Okay, because my husband and I have had, I guess, like, we've come to the, finally come to, like, a, an understanding of, like, I was misunderstanding what he was saying, and he was misunderstanding what I think, but... um like there are specific ministries out there for healing, for deliverance, for um, basically separated of the church. And even though they call it, like they're part of the church, like there was just something that seemed backwards. And I think reading this verse kind of really helped, and then listening to your sermon helped understand that. So, um, okay, the next part is the verse. I, and I can't remember the verse off the top of my head. Like the chapter and. Or book and number, okay. but um, about um, what you bind here on earth will be bound in heaven. Yes. What's loosed here on earth is loosed in heaven. Yep. What is your understanding of that? Because um, I guess my main concern is the run in again, kind of like everything else, is it can be taken out of context and, um, you know, and, and can you loose angels here on earth?
3: So let let's let me help you as you are navigating, because I, I kind of understand where you're coming from. Like, you've heard some teachings, and they don't square with the Bible, and you're wondering, how, what does the Bible really teach? Is that accurate? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so, so the, I'll give you a real big distinction um, to help you process some of the things you're hearing in this particular church or this particular teaching. There are two ways to read the Bible. Um, we read the Bible as God being the major character— it, and forgive me for using that word but the major person the 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 sovereign all-powerful all-knowing in control worthy of our worship we yield to him he is all in all we read it from the perspective of god being god or we read it from the perspective that we're gods i know that sounds kind of dramatic but it, like like to think of that think can You and I, loose angels. Just think of that phrase right there. Just, that it's a great question. Can you and I? What What does your Bible gut tell you? No. And you'd be right, and the Bible is right. Like you're right. Like who Who in the world gave us authority over the angelic realm to loose them at our beck and call? Like where is that in the Bible?
1: Right. And I even looked up like commissioning the courts, like going to the courts of heaven. But like, I don't find anything in the Bible about the courts of heaven.
3: Because that, that genre of church you guys are connected with is making stuff up. It's the whole, there's a whole segment of hyper Pentecostalism, people on TV, uh, a whole, maybe the health, and maybe this, this ministry is also connected with prosperity gospel where they're just making things up. And, you know, here's what the Bible says. And I also say to you that you're Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. I will give to you the keys of the kingdom, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound on heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. I mean, it's a pretty powerful commission that he gives. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. So let's just ask ourselves, in the entirety of the teaching of Jesus, is Jesus saying, as it's interpreted today, that you now control heaven? No. I I don't think he's saying that. I don't think he's given up any sovereignty there. I mean, and this is where the greatest commentary of the Bible is actually the Bible. And remember, Jesus talked about if we pray anything according to his name, you know, in his will, it'll be answered and and you're like well then i can just command god to do anything no it's when when, when we agree with god like when he, it's not we god agrees with us it's when we agree with god and what his purpose and will is And and this idea of binding and loosing it has everything to do with the context right building the church and peter's not building it he's not building it through these keys he's participating keys give access keys give Trust, you know. Anyone, I think of, you know, just the building here at the church. Whoever has a key can go in that door. Uh, they don't own the door, but they've been given freedom to go in and out of the door. And so, what are these keys exactly that Jesus is talking about with Peter? Well, the keys to the kingdom is salvation. How how do we? I mean, what else could they be? Um, God has given us access to bind or loose. We can either share or keep it to ourselves, the keys that God has given to us. It isn't like a control thing where I can bind and loose, and I can—I mean, I I know that you have super genuine questions, so please forgive me, it's, this isn't related to you, but this stuff is nonsense.
1: And that's what my my husband and I are kind of— like, we feel like we aren't to be following, but we're in these people's lives to be, like— a shepherd basically um and we actually they're friends of ours we actually sure. attend church with you yes um so and we're god that is you know so grateful for that um but yeah asking these questions and just like hearing it out loud because we we're both talking about this together and just almost like triple checking what, <laughs> what what's going on in our hearts and minds as we read you know um so I really appreciate that.
3: So how close are you with your friends? So, so now the context of that, how close are you? Like, can you have conversations like you and I are having right now? Can you, or are you distant friends? What, what kind of relationship is there?
1: So I would say I'm probably more close with um, the women that, um, but my husband is still getting to know the husbands.
3: Okay. So who has the most influence in that relationship, the husband or wife?
1: Uh, I'm, I'm. what do you mean?
3: Like in that relationship, who's the stronger personality?
1: Oh, it, like with, like the women?
3: Yeah. in the Yeah. Is it a group you guys are a part of, like a home fellowship?
1: Well, I, I Friendship. host a uh, warrior wives prayer group. Okay. And they are attending.
3: Okay. So, cause this is what, this is, sometimes this is what I would do with my friends. I would just, if they say something like, we're going to release the angels, I would, I would just say, stop right. Okay. Release the angel right here. I want to see something tangible. Show me. So go ahead and release the angel. Make them do something in the room, um, if you have that kind of power. Like, or is it just I mean, language gotten, that they've so. picked up? Huh, what's that?
1: That's more bold than I've gotten, but I appreciate.
3: You know, just something that would that would. It's almost like we we just did CPR um, training today. We spent four hours on you know our whole team getting trained, and one of the things the trainer said is. Because there was a question about, you know, what do you do with a baby that's crying, uh, crying so much that they would pass out, um, which is a great question, you know, because we got a lot of kids on the property here. And if the kid's throwing a tantrum and, and they're just going to hold their breath and 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 he said, well, do something to, sh- to snap them out of it, you know, make a face at them or or um, do googly eyes or like w- with <laughs> your kids, you know, splash water in their face, something that shocks them out of their their. They're out out of their normal routine, so it won't lead to them passing out. We don't want them passing out. We don't want them hanging in their head, anything like that. And so when I'm looking at something, like, I, especially if somebody really believes this, then I want to shock them out of what they keep hearing, what they keep hearing, what they keep hearing, because I know they're not experiencing what they're saying. I know that. It's impossible. It's impossible to experience that, because it's an impossible thing to do. It's kind of like saying, I'm a millionaire, I'm a millionaire, I'm a millionaire. Like, dude, look at your bank account. You're not a millionaire. Yeah, but I was told, Joel Stein said, if I speak it into existence, it'll be here. Like, dude, you've been saying it forever. Yeah, but it's coming. Yeah, but when are you going to, when are you going to conclude that that guy is not telling you the truth? Yeah. And, and depending on the relationships where, you know, it could just be language they're using, but it could be things right. they really believe. And then, you know, binding and loosing, you, you, we don't have the kind of power that they're describing. That has not been given to us.
1: Well, I appreciate the confirmation check and the encouragement for boldness. I know I've been able to approach circumstances and say, hey, I'm just like, I'm uncomfortable speaking like this because I'm not understanding where it's coming from. Where in the Bible are you finding this? You know, and we've been able to go down that road. So, but... It comes to a point of needing to, like you were saying, just kind of check them.
3: Well, and I and I think that in your own personality, right? Because my personality is probably different. So in your own personality, and I think you're doing well. Where, in the sense that you're answering open ended questions, where is this in the Bible exactly? What's well, right here? Okay, well let's look at it exactly. Let's look exactly what you said. You said I could bind and loose. What exactly? And then you know whatever they say, I can bind and lo- I can loose the angels, okay? So, or I can bind the the enemy. And like, I think about this: for everyone that's ever said they bind Satan, if, if that's true, then why is he such a dastardly tempter today? Why are we still dealing in the demonic realm if they bind? If they've already, bu- how many times do you need to bind him?
1: That's a very good point. If if we're binding him and we're saying it's by the power of God, then why? Yeah, why is he continued? to prowl
3: because what I think really is being prayed though like so let's put it back in reading the Bible as God-centric because it is a God-centric book what we're asking for is for God to lead us not into temptation just like Jesus said what we're asking is for God to help us stand fast what we're asking is for God to help us resist the devil so he'll flee from us see it's in those type of prayers when we pray the Bible, then we're letting God do the work. I mean, we're asking God to do the work. You know, it could be that God would allow the devil to come and tempt us. Do you know that could be God's will? God's will could be that we face a demonic force, that, that we deal with the difficulty, that we go across the Galilee during a storm. Like, that could be God's will as well. So to bind, you know, I you know you, you think of the disciples on the sea of Galilee, we bind these winds. No, only Jesus has the power. You guys freak out at the storm. Jesus has power over the storm. It's better to go to him and trust in him because that the power that has, you know, the I the misinterpretation of, well, you know, all authority and um, power have been given to me the Son, and somehow he's given that to us because we're in him doesn't mean, like like it's your kids, I hear your baby in the background, you know, your your kids are going to have your inheritance. They they are automatically your inheritors. They're your kids. They own, you could say today, your kids own everything you own, but not the same way you own it. Like they're not going to receive the fullness of what they're looking until they receive the fullness of inheritance. And even then they won't be you. They'll never be you. Your right. kids will never be in a very similar way, we, all, we have all that is, we, we've been given all things pertaining to life and go, life and godliness through the knowledge of him, but we're not him and we'll never be him. Right. So That's that so what's conveyed to us is still his, even though it's also ours.
1: Well, if you could just keep our family in your prayers um, for the discernment to continue to grow and stay steady and that our hearts remain steady in Him.
3: For sure. And you know, I'll pray that right now. And I just think you, you're, you, as hard as this might be or as challenging, it's good for them, but it's also good for you because you learn how to, you know, this, this is, let me say one more thing since you're in a relationship with them. That I always like this verse. Um, so let me go to Jude first. And for the sake of everyone listening in, too. Um, when we're approaching people, we we need to remember that there's two ways to do it. Uh, And here in Jude, there's only one chapter he says in verse 20, and I think this is a word for you every time you gather together with with this group. It says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And then here's, this is really cool. He says, on, on some have compassion, making a distinction, but others save with fear, pulling him out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. And of course, this is speaking of evangelism and ministering to people, and you've got to make a distinction because different people are different. And here's how I like to remember this. Most of the time in our conversations with people, in our disagreements with people, we take the approach of walking side by side. I kind of picture of just putting my arm around someone, and let's just walk together and talk about this. Um, We don't agree, but we're we're going down the same path, we're making the same progress, and it is cooperative in that I got my arm around them and we're going to walk together. But there are other times when I need to do it face to face, which is far more uncomfortable. We're not going to be walking too far together because I have to have a face-to-face with you. I need to pull you out. And that was what I was sharing with you earlier, like just being bold. Sometimes there's just that timing. goes, nope, this this is absolute nonsense. Where did you learn this? It's not in the Bible. That's kind of pulling them out with fear, you know, pulling them out of the fire. But most of the time, God uses what you're doing, walking with them, talking with them, questioning them. I just know that if they don't make any movement, eventually it's going to be face-to-face.
1: Um, when you say fear, we're talking about the fear of God, right? Yes.
3: Yeah, th- you know, this is a statement of more along the lines of, of dealing with mockers. Um, you know, he, he describes all these people, these apostates, grumblers, complainers. So I'm using an application. I, I'm not saying these guys are this— but this is an application of you've got to make a distinction on how you minister to people, right? And most of the time, it's what you're doing right now. <laughs> but on occasion, you're just gonna to have to go, no way, this can't, you can't possibly believe this. It's nowhere in the Bible. You somebody, right. I do this sometimes too, where somebody will come up after a service and they have a question that has nothing to do with the message, and I go, where did you learn that? Because you didn't learn that in the Bible. And you should see that kind of you you could see you can see automatically that that was the timing they needed to hear that because there's no way in the world they read their Bible and came to that conclusion. no way somebody taught them.
1: My eyes are just like wide open right now. <laughs>
3: I mean that's the question it's it's really the where did you learn and and that's a good question because it, then it then it just puts it back on them you know it just does put it back on them where you know what I, she may they may not admit it right away but they have to think about it. you know i i i did learn it on tv i did learn it because you know that that apostle that visited our church or whatever um i did learn it because that lady wrote a book on prayer well, great! That lady wrote a book on prayer. Said she went to heaven. Said she went to hell. Like, like she said a lot of things that are not in the Bible. Why do you trust her so much?
1: It's a lot of that, yes. And that's a
3: different that's, so a different that's a different discussion altogether. But let me pray for you, and then uh, uh, we'll we'll just keep seeing what God's going to do through this group. Yeah. So, Father, we're thankful for today's program and. Just every, you know, I know a lot of people are listening in and they're like, whoa, and and just thinking, how do I minister to my friends? And so I pray you'd give us wisdom. Uh, Pray for Felicia. She's got this new group of friends and new group of people that want to pray. But I I ask God, I ask that they would listen and consider what your word has to say, not what I have to say, uh, not with whatever their teacher said. But what is the Bible, what is the Holy Spirit saying through your word? And I'm sure it's well-meaning in many ways. I'm I'm sure it's a desire to do warfare in heaven and have this whole language that has been developed around prayer. But may we just be simple and just keep ourselves in love of God and serve you and love you and trust you uh, as we through prayer submit ourselves to you. And so I pray for Felicia and her husband as they continue to develop these friendships protect them and strengthen them in Jesus name amen amen
1: God bless pastor thank you so much
3: righty bye bye all right we're coming up on the end of the program thank you guys we're in service tonight second Peter dig in this study in Peter it's really good we'll see you at seven we pray together sing together fellowship together study the Bible together it's an amazing opportunity to grow in the grace of God. Calvary Church here in Aurora, near or far, you can can watch us online. Download our free app, calvaryco.church. God bless you guys, and uh, we'll see you next time.
0: You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.